It was in the process of writing it, it was excruciating at times. And I was not able to write many of those scenes until later on. I remember, may have been by the third draft, I went in and I went into the sex scenes and I couldn't have done it any earlier because I didn't have enough recovery in me. You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Greetings, everyone. I'm your host, Gabe Howard. And calling into the show today, we have Hannah Sward. Hannah is on the board at Right to Write Press, a nonprofit that supports emerging writers who are incarcerated. Her new memoir, Strip, which is about her life, includes her time in the sex industry and her struggle with addiction. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gabe. Such an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you. And there's so much to cover when we talk about sex work. I want to let our listeners know that this is not a salacious show. And in fact, in doing research for this show, I found as many pro-sex worker groups as I found anti-sex worker groups. And it was really a lot to try to explore as somebody who has not been in the sex industry. I did a lot of uh, reading on Coyote's website, which is Call Off Your Tired Old Ethics, a pro-sex worker rights group. And I did a lot of reading that talked about a lot of the desperation and people being taken advantage of. Now, I know this story is about your lived experience and your personal struggles and your personal opinions, but it was fascinating to me to learn just how involved sex work is and how everybody's experience differs so much. I'm glad that you covered this in your book, and I'm glad that you're here to speak about this. Thank you for highlighting that, Gabe. I appreciate that. Now, Hannah, as we talk about your story, as I read your book, it seemed to indicate that you got into sex work out of desperation. What did you mean by that? Really what I mean, well, both internally and externally, I was going to college. I was 19 years old and I needed uh, to make some money for tuition, rent. And I would say desperate in the sense that I think it really was more internal, even though the external circumstances required that I needed some money. There are women and men who obviously resort to other, you know, waiting tables, working at the gym, any of those things. But the way I uh, was raised, I I had a a sense of desperation within myself. And I don't know if if it had been different, if I would have chosen different. It, It felt like a quick way to make money, which it was. And that first time I did it for three months three months at the age of 19. On one hand, I I think about jobs that I personally have held that I didn't want to have. You know, I I took a job at a fast food restaurant when I was in my thirties because it was the only place hiring and I needed quick money. I could describe that as I took that job out of desperation and it would be accurate. But when we're talking about sex work and somebody says that they took a job out of desperation, it seems to have a little more oomph to it, a little more negativity. When when I use my example, people are like, hey, you did what you had to do. An honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Be proud of yourself, Gabe. You supported you and your family. But when I read your book, it it seemed like you you weren't proud of yourself for you know meeting your needs, eating and taking care of yourself. There just seemed to be a, a lot more negativity. And, and th- this is my word. It seemed almost like you were ashamed of it. Absolutely, I was. Uh, and 
I have worked through that shame over the years. There is still some of that in me, uh, depending on where I'm at within myself and who I'm talking to. Uh, it was d- a deep shame. In fact, uh, my best girlfriend, who I was living with in Chicago at the time, I lied to her about what I was doing. And she's the most non-judgmental uh, person. That is an example of the shame that I felt. But you returned to it over and over again. What attracted you to it? The quick money. The quick money. Uh, and really... Like you said, I mean, many people, and I've had many, many jobs, countless jobs from the age of when I was nine years old, I started working. So saying it was out of desperation is is, is like what you said, it's kind of interesting because people do a lot of jobs out of desperation. And certainly I have as well uh, in terms of cleaning houses to working at a dog food store. I mean, I don't mean that as a desperate thing, but just that a very young age started working. And I had just moved to L.A. I was 24 and I had no money and I needed a car and to pay my rent. And, you know, there was no resources in my family uh, to, to provide the help, which is the case with many people. Right. I don't like to use that as an excuse because I know a lot of people who also didn't have that and they did not go into the sex industry. So it, it was the, the quick money and, and part of being embarrassed to say that, but that is the honest truth. And with that, I could uncover, well, what, why, why that? Well, I do think that childhood with certain, with, with abuse, with sexual predators lends itself to that with throwing myself away, not caring about myself. Had I had some sense of, self-worth within myself, I don't think I would have done that. And it also fed that. It fed the unworthiness and the shame. On the back cover of your book, it reads, quote, Hannah grew up to be a stripper and a prostitute with a taste for crystal meth, which seemed like a surefire way to lose weight, with stops along the way for silent gurus, sugar daddies, and drinking in the CVS bathroom, unquote. Now, I read that, and at first I'm like, all right, this is going to be an interesting book. This is pretty awesome. I want to read this. But now that you're here, now that we're together, now that I'm talking to you and I realize this is about a person, it goes from being this tantalizing, salacious, and risque story to, oh, oh my God, you poor thing. Mm-hmm. This, this sounds scary and horrible. I, I have this urge to want to protect you and, and, and hug you and, and care for you after the fact. How, how was all of this for you? Working in the sex industry? Yes, yes. Working, working in the sex industry. Uh, I would say there was a time, like, for example, when I went in, in early sobriety, I, I was told that we will learn to not regret the past. And I did regret the past and I never thought there would be a time where I didn't. And I can say now, uh, all these years later, I don't, I don't regret it because I have been able to share my experience and I've had women that have spoken to me, that have opened up because of me sharing my story, right? And and that's really helped not regret the past. and. Uh, in terms of my feelings about the industry, that has not changed. For me, it was not a healthy choice. Uh, it seems like an obvious thing, but I do also realize that a lot of people, you know, 
we were talking before the show about, you know, having some people have felt empowered doing it. That was not my experience. I had no sense of feeling empowered. I was not good at it. And I wasn't savvy with the money part of it. I remember when I first came to LA and I met with Madame Ava, who's in the book at Silver Spoon in Santa Monica Boulevard, this Russian woman. And she said, you know, I won't, won't try to do the accent. I'm not good at that. But uh, she said, you know, many of my girls, you know, they, they save money and they buy the houses in the hills. And, and I knew when she was saying that, that that would not be the case for me. <laughs> I wasn't going to be doing it long enough and uh, working men in that way. Uh, my goal was, you know, get a car, get a couple months rent ahead when I think of sex work, I, I think of two very unique types of sex work. And when I think about it, I think of legal versus illegal. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't, I don't know where you were, but stripping is legal. Right. Whereas, you know, uh, being a sex worker, you know, prostitution is, is illegal. Did that factor into any of your feelings or concerns? Were you worried about the illegal aspect of, of, of prostitution? Uh, there was one point when I was in Chicago with a couple men that I just had this sense that, Oh, I could actually be busted for this beyond that. No, in LA, I didn't, I'm not sure why, perhaps because the clients were a little more high end. I felt more protected in, um, the Beverly Hills hotel, for example, or the peninsula. Uh, but I, those are fan- for people who don't live in Los Angeles. Those are, um, more upscale uh, hotels. And so, no, it, it really didn't. It's super interesting that you say that because your sentiments echo what I've read about online. It it seems like if your clients are high end people, you're more insulated, you're more protected. And that's very curious to me because it's astounding to me that if your clients are men of standing, people of means that you're protected, but if your clients are meeting you on a corner or on a stroll and paying significantly less money, well, suddenly there's law enforcement action, there's police involvement because it's the identical act. It's the identical issue. I'm just curious about your feelings towards that because uh, there's always this discussion of privilege. And it seems like even in the illegal sex industry, privilege exists. Yes. I, I don't think it's right. Even though I was involved in that, uh, that disturbs me that money protects even that. And yeah, it's protected. I am being at the Beverly Hills hotel. I did not feel the sense that the police were going to come raiding in, uh, Money is a form of protection. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me. 
Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com slash IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. Hey everyone, my name is Rachel Star Withers and I live with schizophrenia. I'm also the host of Inside Schizophrenia, a podcast that dives deep into all things schizophrenia, featuring personal experiences and experts to help you better understand and navigate schizophrenia. Inside Schizophrenia is a Psych Central and Healthline Media podcast and we're available right now on your favorite podcast player. Check us out. And we're back with author Hannah Sword discussing her new memoir, Strip. We've sort of touched on your clients a little bit, but overall, how did you feel about them? I, I most for the most part, I don't feel like I judge them. If I felt like they were, it sounds strange, but a good person, which I felt like I could sense. Some of them were less savory than others. Uh, I remember one specific young man in Chicago, and he was, I mean, for what you could tell at a night, a lovely young man, very out of the box. In the book I described, you know, he had Walt Whitman books set around and and flowers, and it's not the typical thing of what we think of as someone who's hiring um, a call girl, a prostitute, whatever it is you want to call it. And he was a very soft-spoken gentle man uh, and respectful as well, if, if that makes sense. Uh, however, there were also men that, that weren't. In the book, I described one man at the Peninsula Hotel, and he and he was not a good character. Uh, well, character, that sounds like it's made up in the book, but not, not a man with, I felt, was a man of substance with something that took place in the hotel room. Yeah. And and in the book later, I describe, well, I'll leave that. <laughs> I saw him at the Oscars, which was very, very weird. But uh, that's a whole other thing. So it sounds like some of your clients were were also famous. They, they I, I mean, if you see them at the Oscars, were, were they a seat filler or did they win an Oscar? <laughs> well, I don't know about, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say famous, but I do remember one particular man taking an award, uh, an Oscar for something that he had done. And, and I am not the biggest TV watcher, so I'm also not the best person with that. Even back then, uh, I remember just sitting at home and watching it and be like, oh, my God, that's that man. And I felt really uh, my stomach turned, not because he was winning. Well, not because he was on TV, but because he was not one of the, you know, he was less than savory. I, I think that some people, when they think about sex work, they think that every single client is a, a really evil, bad character. I mean, that's how they're portrayed on TV. But you, you've you sort of described it as a little bit of a mix. I mean, a number of my clients were really nice men. Uh, again, in the book, I describe, I think it might have been my first, in my first week, I, if I can t- share this on this uh, show, that he wanted me to talk dirty to him. And I was very inexperienced. Like I said, it was my first week. I didn't feel comfortable with it. I was not very, like I said, I was not very good at what I was doing. And he was like, okay, well, instead we went out for donuts. 
Like you don't see that in a, in a show. We we went out to his favorite donut place instead, and he didn't call for me again. It was, but he was a very you know was a nice man. Uh, we we had donut rings in the uh, in his car, and he gave me the money, and I left. Uh, so I wish they would they were portrayed more as you know just like the regular men. Uh, I'm not saying some of them weren't like the man in the uh, from the Oscars. And then also later on when, you know, I call it sugar daddy work when I got into it for the third time. However, that is still prostitution in the way that I was doing it and putting an ad on Craigslist at the time. And there was one man that I was only had sex with once and I was with him for almost two years. And he was a gentleman. And he was lonely. He was a lonely, a lonely man that wanted company and we did get along. However, you know, I didn't have those same feelings for him. When you reached recovery, did, did the sex work stop? Yes. I, for me, I need to be, to change everything. It, when I first got sober, which was 12 years ago, I had two sugar daddies and both were nice men, one Iranian man and one Jewish Orthodox man. And I was having sex or I had sex with them both. However, once I got sober, I knew that I couldn't have sex again without going back to the drink or the drug. And I made that choice that I, my recovery was too important. So for me, it's that thing of, is that taking me closer to a drink or, or away from? And so I did not end up seeing one of them anymore, but I did continue seeing the Iranian uh, man who was a complete gentleman. And once I got sober, we never had sex again, but we kept seeing each other and he would take me to dinner and take me to Trader Joe's. I know that sounds strange, but uh, Trader Joe's to do a big grocery shopping, which meant a lot to me at the time because I couldn't really afford groceries. I was used to making money in a certain way. And next thing I know, I have a minimum wage job. Uh, That went on for about a year after and uh, until it came time for me to let that go. And that was very scary. However, I knew that it was the right thing to do. And my sobriety was most important. I know that you've described a, a lot of regret and, and shame with going into sex work. But in, in your opinion, as somebody who's been there, do you think that it, it can be a good choice for people? The, the internet has, has two very distinct sides on this, that it's very empowering to women, or it's very, very bad for women. And I'm not sure how to close the gap on that, except to ask you your experience. Do you think that there are women or or men who can have a good experience in this, or is it all bad all the time? I don't think it's all bad all the time. Uh, When we describe sex work, I mean, does that also include stripping or specifically prostitution? That is a very fair point. Sex work has sort of become this catch-all phrase. Let's look at this from the perspective of having sex for money. Do you feel that people can experience that in a positive way, or do you feel that it is always negative? I I don't think that... I don't come from it at a black and white place, especially for other people. I think everyone has their own experience with it, and I wouldn't want to say it's all bad or all good. I have met women and men who... It has not 
at least from what they've shared with me, been a negative experience and has been exactly what you said, empowering. That was just not the case for me. So I can only speak to myself. Uh, I mean, speak for myself. Uh, I don't, yeah, I really don't like to look at it from the black and white standard uh, because I don't think it's all good or all bad. It's hard not to think that at some point it has, has an effect on someone But I also, again, can only speak for myself, right? I know that's a difficult question, and I really appreciate you answering it so honestly. Again, I... I I know how difficult it was for me to do research on this show because there were these almost warring factions and both sides were very entrenched. There was the, it's completely empowering. It's just a job and it's very positive uh, all the way to it's very shameful. It's very negative and everybody in the industry is a victim. And I wanted to ask you good questions. I wanted to understand your book and I wanted to understand what you went through and I wanted to stay in the middle, but with all of this bias and, and, and all of these entrenched opinions, mm-hmm. it, it became very, very difficult because it really, really seems like nobody wants to discuss that there's nuance to the sex worker debate, that there are good and there are bad aspects to being a sex worker. I appreciate the research you did because uh, that's also been my experience. Hannah, I know that your book strip is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold, but where can folks find you online? They can find me at hannasward.com. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. It's such an honor. And you're just uh, clearly just so wonderful with what you do. And I've done a number of of these. And um, this has been definitely one of the talks that I've enjoyed. And so thank you. You are so very welcome. And to all of our listeners, a giant thank you. My name is Gabe Howard, and I am the author of Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations. I'm also an award-winning public speaker who could be available for your next event. My book is on Amazon, or you can grab a signed copy with free show swag or learn more about me over at GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this episode, please follow or subscribe to the show. It is absolutely free. And hey, do me a favor. Tell your friends, family, colleagues all about this show. Referring the show is how we grow. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.